Welcome to the Cabling Podcast. Remember to punch down on that like button. And also, subscribe to Cabling News. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the podcast again. I'm here today with George Zimmerman and John D'Ambrosia on behalf of the IEEE SA. And on the occasion of this year being the 50th anniversary of Ethernet technology, um, I believe both men are very well known to our audience at uh, Cabling Installation Maintenance, since you both uh, authored uh, pieces for us and been in the mix for our webinars. But I will ask each of you to just introduce yourselves uh, for the purposes of our talk today. So can we start with you, please, George? Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, I'm I'm George Zimmerman. I am a longtime veteran of primarily uh, wired Ethernet, uh, twisted pair Ethernet, um, going back uh, in the uh, in, in the days of, of infrastructure. I've been involved with Ethernet standards in IEEE SA for uh, now uh, about 25 years, so about half of Ethernet's life. And, and prior to that, I was using Ethernet in, and in the transition and service provider networks that brought Ethernet in, in into them in, in the 1990s. Um, uh, I've been kind of transformed out of a out of just being a a guy who did uh, uh, copper fies and and uh, figured out how to get more bits across twisted pair cabling and into uh, really an advocate for Ethernet in in it, it, evolving applications uh, uh, today doing things in industrial and automate industrial automation and automotive ethernet um, as well as as ethernet in in buildings and uh, and in um, data centers thank you and john well thank you matt i uh appreciate the opportunity to speak today to your to your audience uh, my name is john d'ambrosia I am with FutureWay Technologies at this point in my career. Um, I am also a longtime veteran of, of Ethernet. I've been involved in the standards for, I think it's 23 years directly, though I started my career as a test monkey going back into the late 80s for stuff that wound up in Ethernet. So I guess I'm not sure I can count that, but Ethernet's been a big part of my, uh, my career for a very, very long time. I think my particular claim to fame and why a lot of your audience may know me is that I've been the guy who has been taking Ethernet to new speeds since after the 10 gig project. So I led the efforts that drove 40 and 100, 200 and 400, and now we're doing 800 and 1.6 terabit. That's actually in process right now as we speak. Um, I had other uh, aspects. I used to be at one point the chair of, of the Ethernet Alliance. Uh, I'm now involved in the the SA. I've also been involved in 802 from a public visibility perspective. A uh, longtime advocate for Ethernet, but also a longtime advocate for 802 and its family of networking standards. Thank you to both of you. Well, let's just dive uh, right into our questions. And uh, I guess I will just ask the questions and then give uh, each of you a chance to respond. So uh, broadly speaking over Ethernet technologies, 
50 years, I wanted to ask if uh, both of you could comment on how IEEE standards have worked to shape and guide the technology's adoption from its inception up till the present day. You want to take this one first, George? Sure, John. I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> so, so honestly, honestly, Matt, we could probably talk the entire half hour on 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 this one subject. Um, but uh, but for the last fifty years, IEEE SA IEEE eight hundred two in particular has has been the place where the the industry has has come together to build consensus to to drive new Ethernet applications. Um, Way back, uh, you know, way back at its inception, uh, you had a, a small number of players come in and bring in this new thing called called Ethernet and work together to make it an initial standard. Over time, when when people wanted to introduce, say, twisted pair Ethernet with 10 base T, where did they bring it? IEEE 802, they drove a standard. That standard then allowed more people to use it. More people to use it drove more innovation. So they brought back for another standard. And now you have, now, now, now then you had fast ethernet. So then that drove more people to use it. What happened? People came in and brought in uh, gigabit ethernet. Gigabit ethernet begat 10 gigabit ethernet um, and, and so on. And, and, and when new industries came in, they came in with their, with their, hey, we want to use ethernet, but we have these special needs. And ethernet evolved and adapted to the process. And, and at the same time, it's been that, <clears throat> it's been that quest for, for um, industry consensus. And the IEEE standards process that has been this, this melting pot where, where you know people who may not see eye to eye on how to do something initially come together and make compromises in order to build a, a broader market and a more generalized technology, understanding that that has made Ethernet successful and made Ethernet useful to things that we never we never imagined there might be. Um, John and I had some history um, in in uh, when I, I'm also I'm, I'm also an officer in the Ethernet Alliance, and we we worked to put together uh, this POE certification program. And it seemed every time we looked for an application. And we, we made up something and said, so gee, I wonder if anybody makes that because we're trying to figure out where you could put this certification mark. One of those things you have to do, we would find, oh, somebody did that with ethernet. Um, John, you wanna maybe take and yeah. add some color to that? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know it, it was really, we had to fill out the paperwork and the, you know, the paperwork was quite detailed and, and we're running down through this stuff and, and we're just, you know, slapping like, oh yeah, that's been used, that's been used. And the one particular example George and I were just talking about was we actually found a PoE enabled dog collar, <laughs> right? I mean, it was it, you just have this laundry list, and um, it was amazing just to find how many different applications. But you know, I, I think I, I don't really have much to add to what George just said because he covered everything beautifully as I expected he would. Um, the only thing that I can really add to that is we started off our conversation today. George and I were talking before, and he goes. You know, I just had this really interesting conversation with this guy who wants to use Ethernet too. And I stopped him right, right there. I said, George, how many times have we had that conversation? It's a blank. Fill it in. Right. I mean, that that is exactly how Ethernet and, and all of these standards have been going for us is that 
people figure out a way to use it. And that I, I think we need to understand that it's not just that Ethernet standards have shaped and guided technologies and, and their adoption, but as George pointed out, the applications themselves have impacted how Ethernet has has grown, has Ethernet has evolved. And we, we find, I think in my opinion at least, is that we've been most successful when the two, the applications and the technologies marry together and, and essentially adopt to each other and understand each other to meet the needs. So we, we understand the application needs and then we develop the technologies that the application then can use. And then the applications run with it. I mean, you look at everything that's that's happened over the past 20 years. You know, there was a long time ago, there was no such thing as backplane Ethernet. I was in the first project, uh, 802.3ap. Now every new project has a backplane solution. Um, we saw the same thing with, you know, the base T cabling, um, the Cat5 cabling, Cat5e, Cat6, Cat7, Cat8, right? It just keeps getting evolving. So people figure out how to use this stuff. And then... The application evolves and more needs are driven in. Uh, look at, uh, you know, Base-T was very, very popular. And that led to the introduction of uh, PoE. And that's super popular, as George and I were just talking about. So um, I, I think it's a two-way street. I think the, the applications and the technologies adopt and influence each other and will continue to. At least that's, uh, I think uh, George and I as longstanding veterans of this is well, I, George we've seen this right I mean time and time again well well that's that that's the story I mean Ethernet has Ethernet has has never been about technology for technology's sake when when 802 and the the parent organization that has the the Ethernet standards working group initiates a new project they have a, a, a set of what they call criteria for standards development. We used to call them the five criteria, but now there's six. And, and uh, one, of, one of those criteria, in addition to you know, something being technically feasible and economically fe feasible, is, is you have to give people an example of, of a broad market potential. And that is that there are multiple, multiple customers and, and multiple uh, suppliers of technology, and and usually more than just a niche application space, is is needed uh, for the technology that that uh, you want to drive an Ethernet standard, and and this is this is proven to be a, um, it, a it, it's proven to be a good model. It's proven to be a repeatable model for for driving uh, high quality market relevant standards. Yeah. Matt, as, as George warned you, we could talk about this for a half hour. <laughs> uh, so much the better. But my question is, how, how long can we talk about it before talking about AI? You know, every call I'm on, every, every time I turn the computer on, we're talking about AI. So I, I wanted to ask you, how is Ethernet technology uh, grappling with uh, AI, but specifically in uh, data center and service provider uh, networks, we're talking about these uh, new, uh, you know, high bandwidth uh, workloads uh, related to the digi uh, digital transformation and, and such uh, things. Uh, can What is the angle for, um, you know, what this AI future is going to mean for uh, Ethernet connectivity? John, you want to take that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit. So first of all, I'm going to say 
uh, Matt, that we we always you know jokingly refer to ourselves as the plumbers of the of the internet of the internet, right? We provide the pipes. Um, I would say that in some cases, you know, the specific applications, um, it's, it's not always necessarily clear to me. I, so I don't want to talk about stuff that I, I don't know that much about. But what I do know, uh, and this came up during when we were forming the, the 800, uh, well, the, what we call the Beyond 400 Gig Study Group, was that AI is having a tremendous impact on the, the compute requirements. So it used to be, you know, Moore's law doubling every 18 months, 18, 24 months. Um, and, and that really went up to uh, 2012, I believe it was, was that, you know, when you look at, there was a, a blog put out by AI Open, I believe the name of it was. And they talked about, you know, Moore's law up to 2012 meeting that trend. But after that trend, when you look at the compute requirements, not, not you know, Moore's law is more about what we can do. When you look at what the requirements were, it was doubling every three to four months. I mean, put that in perspective. Two years to th to eighteen to twenty four uh, to three to four months. Wow. So the connectivity needs um, they got to be faster. They have to be lower latency. Um, there's a lot of parallelism going on. So let's let's just talk about that. You know, all those different things for a second. I've already touched on that. We're developing eight hundred and one point six gig. Okay. And one of the ways that we're doing that is through uh, what we call an eight lane solution. So you can imagine eight differential pairs over copper cables going in one, one direction and eight going in the other. You could do the same thing for eight fibers, right? And you can drive 200 gig across each of those eight. And the aggregate of eight times 200 is obviously 1.6. But when you look at what we're how we're looking at it, we're looking at it in a in a binary sense of powers of two, one, two, four, and eight. So one lane of two hundred gig of this of this by eight solution can be used as, as two hundred gig. Two lanes is four hundred. Four lanes is eight hundred. Eight lanes as one point six. You now have this very powerful port that can be used either for really high speed connectivity or really high density higher speed connectivity, meaning that, you know, today 100 is, is more common. Now you can see that you can get eight of these 200 gig ports. Okay. So that's, that's, that's one way that we're addressing it. Um, low latency is always a big deal. So I can tell you from the, the debates that I'm sitting through on a, on a daily basis right now, that the latency of the forward error correction codes that we choose to run all of these pipes are extremely important. And, you know, we probably could pull more, more, more and more powerful FEC codes. And the problem with that is A, latency, B, power. These are not things that you want to have in a data center, right? You want the lowest latency, the lowest power. So we have to deal with, with that. Um, I think what has also happened is, is that people are... From what I understand, and, I, and I, like I said, I'm not an AI expert. I can only talk to the one topology that I've become aware of. And that is, it used to be you had a server connect to a switch and you had switch connect to a lot of servers, but it didn't mean connect to all servers. So now what, one of the things that we're seeing is, is that you have a server connecting to a lot of switches. So you really help to reduce that latency between server to server communications. 
right? Because now you don't have to worry about these multiple hops going up, coming down. You just go to that server and that server is connected to another cluster of servers that you can connect to it, all empowered by this high connectivity. So um, we're really dealing with that. And, and actually the increase to eight lanes is a, is a recent development for Ethernet. It used to be Ethernet's success, sweet spots, if you will, were one lane and four lane solutions. So you can look at multiple things. George is familiar with by four from his base T days. He's now at by one with his, with his single pair stuff. Um, so you, you, you see that we can, we, we make the most use of these pipes or we enable the most use of these pipes for our applications. And that's, it's no different. AI is just another new application that we're now, now dealing with it, just taking into account what its demands are. Understood. George, some thoughts? So I, I think John has really laid out the story here. Um, the Ethernet is, if you look at AI and, and you ask, what is, what is the role of AI with regards to Ethernet technology? You've got kind of two ways you can do it. Uh, one, one is you can look at AI as it is with any technology. You can use AI in the control and management of, of networks and things. Not really, not we're not really talking about that so much as we're talking about how do you how does AI impact the the Ethernet networks themselves? How do we see that occurring? And AI is just another application. The thing is, as John's emphasizing. AI comes with its own special requirements. AI is not that different from parallel computing applications that have been around for a very long time, uh, uh, where, where you have massive interconnectivity and you have a, and because you have parallel compute nodes, you have latency constraints. And so as John described, you're, you're, seeing, these, you're seeing these changes in, in network topologies you're seeing, you're seeing a, a new driver for, for low latency. Um, but what one thing John didn't describe is that when you, we've, we've been talking about the AI processing, but we didn't talk about what is the AI process because um, a, a number of, of AI systems that I'm familiar with, what they do is they process things like sensor data. So you can't necessarily talk entirely about AI in the absence of other things. In, in, in applications, um, like I do a bunch of work these days. He mentioned single pair. I do a bunch of work in automotive Ethernet. In, in automotive Ethernet, you have a vehicle which is having an increasingly large number of, of sensors and, and actuators around it. You've, you've got cameras, you've got radars, you've got temperature sensors, you've got flow control sensors, you've got fuel meters, you've got brakes. Um, uh, and, and then you have, and, and, and then, then you have, uh, um, you know, the processors that have to take and make some sense out of this data. It's what they, with what they call a data fusion problem. Um, and, and that's where the AI happens. But the, but the AI only works because it has all this input. Yeah. And the ability of those AI processors to handle vast amounts of input is actually driving up the number of sensors in, in, in the automobile. It's driving up the connectivity for these leaf nodes and these end nodes. Um, it, that's not just true, and I used automotive as an example because it, it's it's one of those that that 
people easily associate with AI. But the same thing happens in in factory automation, in process control, in building automation. Um, they're, you know, you're you're, you're processing. Uh, you're processing uh, access control information, temperature information, humidity information. Um, if you're in a if if you're in a factory, you're you're processing uh, sensor inputs from across the the uh, the process plant. Um, <clears throat> these are these are all the inputs that are driving AI, and AI is 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 simply uh, driving an increased number. Of Ethernet inputs um, from from across the spectrum with with a pretty widely varying uh, set of 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 requirements. Some of them are are, are you know no we used to be Ethernet was invented to connect computers to computers, computers to laser printers. These are peer devices that can generate in, uh, information as well as receive information at a high rate. Generally, fairly symmetrical. Well, a sensor, for example, doesn't really, it's not really a customer of information. It really just generates information, right? Cameras don't, ca cameras don't receive high volumes of, of, of information uh, most of the time. They, they generate pictures. Um, we see them in, in buildings, we see them in cars. Um, so it's it's causing us in Ethernet to ask questions into the future. Should we be should we be looking at models that are um, that where the data rates may not be, be capable of symmetry? Um, yeah. Lots know, of sure. lots of stuff like that being driven. Yeah, if, if I could add on to something like that, because this is a great point. I hadn't even thought about this. If you think about it, the ability to bring in that different information. One, it's got to be cost effective to be able to do something like that, right? You've got to be able to do that. And as George just pointed out, there's a whole bunch of different requirements that may come in for those different applications and those different networking needs. And the final part is, wow, it's it actually has to work. So let's see, cheap, plug and play, and lots of choices. Uh, hello, that's known as Ethernet. <laughs> Right. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious here. It, it, when you think about it, the way that just that George just brought it up, that's the truth. You got to have, you, you know, you want to have all these applications there in order to support this information gathering. And, and I know from, you know, the conversations I've had with people in terms of talking to sensors, there's sensors all over their place. There's very low data sensors. That's fine. But I also know there's sensors that are doing high def video as well. Right, so you have a very incredible difference there. And then you've got different mediums that people may want to do it across. So you really have you really need a, a broad, a broad technology that supports a lot of different mediums and not just um, you know a niche application. And this is going to tie into other questions that we're going to talk about later on. So why don't we what, you know I, I George, I don't know if we can add much more to this. I, I think we've given great material for the later questions that we have to, to address. Yeah, I I I was I, I think let's 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 let let's go on and we'll we'll use it as it is. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, one question that I, I should have uh, put on my list uh, that I will put on my list now because I know that for sure uh, we can get you uh, to address it. Uh, you you took us uh, in your responses there. Uh, you took us out of the uh, 
the data center and into uh, industrial automation and uh, smart buildings and all and sensor applications. And uh, at cabling, uh, we have uh, devoted uh, in the past uh, a lot of coverage uh, when it was uh, really first emerging to uh, single pair uh, ethernet technologies. And uh, I asked Peter Jones this question. Now I have to ask both of you for uh, a uh, up to the minute uh, update and perspective on where a uh, single pair ethernet is for uh, industrial, but also for uh, smart buildings. Well, I'm gonna to defer to George on this one because I'm not in the single pair world as much as he is. I'm really up in the higher speed world. So George, why don't you take this one? So, uh, so I'll take that directly. So for industrial, I can tell you, I, I was on, I spend a lot of time with vendors of industrial, uh, Ethernet products, they are. Um, <clears throat> you are seeing now initial product uh, shipments and announcements using the uh, the ten megabit single pair Ethernet products. I, I think it's. I think by the way, it's fair to say that single pair Ethernet is is an established technology in the automotive and in the, um, I'll say within chassis kind of. Uh, uh, of, of application space. People build single pair ethernet into products, you never see it. In the industrial world, some of that single pair ethernet gets built into, in, into chassis and pods, but some of it is, is now being ready to run out across a process control. Say you have, you have mature physical layer devices that are out there. Uh, you have groups uh, uh, such as, you know, Fieldcom group, ODVA um, and, uh, and the, former members of, of the APL consortium actually doing certification for um, for single pair ethernet in in process control. And, and they are seeing products and seeing products start to launch. Um, and, uh, and that part of the ecosystem is getting going. Um, the, the within building, building, you know, normal building automation type use of, of single pair ethernet is starting slowly. Uh, Peter may have may have talked to you about about some of the the products he knows of in in, in that space, but uh, they're generally they're generally geared at at moving away from the uh, moving away from the gateways that that have dominated that application in in the past. Um, so you see vendors, for example, like Honeywell, who who offer offer products in in both. Using both single pair Ethernet and and using traditional technologies, a very very similar, but the single pair Ethernet one doesn't need a gateway to connect to the Ethernet network. Um, that is starting to happen now. I expect to see it um, accelerate. As a matter of fact, most of the industry expects to see it accelerate uh, to the point where um, they're starting to work on the next generation, because. We know with Ethernet, you start to work on the standard for the next generation. It's about five years before you start to, to actually actually see it. And I actually lead a task force in 802.3 on uh, on 100 megabit long reach single pair Ethernet. At, at the same time, we see um, we we see that there's there's I think still a lot of speculation out there uh, as as to just what form single pair ethernet will take when it takes off um the i think the safe bet is 
Go look at your automation applications because they're actually starting already. Look at your applications that require long reach. Like for example, I, I, I'm already seeing activity looking for single pair ethernet for security camera extension. Um, you, you're probably very familiar and your readers are probably very, very familiar with, with um, you know, power over ethernet extenders, for example. Um, well, if you can if you can put in a single pair Ethernet link and and reach several hundred meters without a putting a field extender in, and still power the the camera, that's that's an alternative in, in that area. Um, so that the reach extension application I think is is a big one. The other big ap application is is going to be um, is going to be environments where you have uh, noise immunity concerns. Single pair Ethernet was 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 designed for environments like industrial, um, or or like you know in your uncontrolled areas of the building where you've got a lot of impulsive noise. You know things like motors and contactors that generate um, that generate impulsive noise. It's much more re robust to that. Um, but it like most technologies. It always takes longer to take off than you expect, and then once once it does take off, you all of a sudden turn around and say, "Oh, it's everywhere." Um, I, I think I think the next year is going to show that for um, for the ten megabit single pair Ethernet. Thank you. Um, well, uh, for the next question and uh, maybe the last question, uh, since uh, I see my uh, Zoom budget is uh, dwindling down to uh, under five minutes. I need to uh, take care of that and get a longer uh, budget of time for forthcoming interviews. But uh, I, I'll take you from one uh, ICT uh, buzzword, uh, AI, a recent buzzword to the next, uh, which is sustainability. And I just had to ask, uh, what are some ways, how or how can uh, the IEEE Ethernet standards address technology stakeholders' sustainability uh, concerns and forthcoming requirements? Is there a role for Ethernet in addressing sustainability? Absolutely. Uh, George, I'll, I'll take this one. I, give you I was going to suggest it. Go. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, um, you know, first of all, the sustainability, i.e. the power, Really, I think is where you're focusing in on. Um, that's always been a concern, right? I mean, if you if you look at the um, if you look at like what I'm going through right now, baseline selection, power comes into all of those conversations. How much power is this? You know, what's the number of gates? We'll you know go into that with cost, but you know the power aspect of it really ties in, and, and you know you want to have something that will be able to evolve to lower power. And, you know, while you can solve any problem with uh, money and power, um, you can't apply that rationale in Ethernet, right? So when we make our baseline selections, that comes into play. Um, but there's also other ways. We've developed a standard, uh, George 2009 Energy Efficient Ethernet, I believe it was, correct? That's right. Right. So we developed a standard that people could use from their systems to essentially turn links into a sleep mode, if you will, when they're not being used during low periods. Um, another thing, George was kind of touching on this right now, is that, you know, in some cases you don't have, let's let's say 
high speed, but really data planes going in both directions. One link might be high speed, such as a digital camera. The link going to it is probably low speed and is just the control plane, right? So we can tune what the real power needs are for those applications and not try to uh, apply a one size fits all mentality and force adoption to the technology as opposed to the technology adopting to the application. Um, but I think there's another one, and this is what I was kind of touching on before, and, and and George touched on it as well when his when his talk when he was saying that it's going everywhere. Let's let's you know I, I was joking before about Ethernet success, right? And um, you know lots of solutions. It works, and low cost. Well, that environment encourages competition. Competition invites improvement. One of the ways that people really distinguish themselves in the market is power, right? So just by being successful and having a competitive market that people are targeting, you are encouraging improvement. Okay, so that, that's the success of the standard that's doing that. But in addition, George touched on that it's going everywhere. So you now get to take these benefits that people have by focusing in on competition on one aspect of an ethernet link and you'll find it going into other application spaces. So the intelligence, the improvements, all of that will proliferate within the Ethernet market between applications.